Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. So I got there a couple of days before Leif and the team, and the staff came to me and said, Hey, Leanne, we've got a, a lady that's here, and she has been, she's from Pakistan, she's been a victim of, of asset throwing, and would you meet with her? And I said, Absolutely, sure. And so the last day, um, they brought me into the green room, and that's where I met Julie. And that's not her Pakistan name. That's not her, Julie is not an Urdu name, okay? That's her U.S. name. And, um, and so I sat with Julie, and we started talking. I said, Julie, tell me your story. She began to tell me how she, um, she's a believer, a Christian, and that she, where she worked, um, she wore a cross, you know, and where she worked, one day this guy came in, and he said, so you're a Christian? And she's like, yes, I'm a Christian. And um, he asked her three or four times, and she said, yes, I'm a Christian. And he left for two hour, about two hours. And he came back, and he said, he had his hand behind his back, and he said, so you're a Christian, right? And she said, yes, I'm a Christian. And then he took his hand with a glass, or I don't know what he had it in, but of acid, and came around like this and threw it on Julie. Julie is blind and all burned on her right side. Um, she was very, very scarred. And um, they took her to the hospital where she was in very critical condition. Her mom wanted her to live, pleaded with the doctors, please, please save my daughter. The dad's like, let her die. I don't care. And um, because women are worthless in Pakistan. My message isn't on Pakistan this morning. That's not, that's not it. But this is what I, one of the things I do. I've ministered in Pakistan many times and two women, and, um, and so they, the, the doctors were able to save her, and they had to do skin grafts, and they told Julie, the only way we'll do skin grafts um, is if, and give you anesthetic is if you'll renounce Christ, Jesus, and she says, I will not. So Julie went through multiple surgeries without anesthesia, and then about six months later, as she had recovered, um, her and her mother were in the market, and um, two guys came after her with guns and shot her. Um, she recovered from that, and then a family in Texas that I'm still friends with on Facebook, there's a type of sponsoring, um, like a foreign exchange student sponsor, but that's not what it is. It's another type of sponsoring, and they sponsor Julie to come into the United States. And as I sat there with Julie and I talked, and she just had a smile the whole time. She just radiated, as you could see. She just radiated Jesus. And at the end of our time, I said, Julie, what, what can I do for you? And she said, would you pray for me? And I'm like, only if you'll pray for me. That's the deal here. Because I want what you got. You're not afraid at all. Your faith, you've lived for your faith. And nothing has, has deterred you from that. So I prayed for her, and she prayed for me. It was just an absolutely beautiful time. Then I took her out in the conference and introduced her to Daddy Lay. She sat on the front row with me for the last session. And I wanted to show you this. Thank you, Aiden. You can shut that down now. I wanted to show you this because my message this morning is on identity. And I th as I travel the United States, yeah, Stone, you can come up and bring those up here. Um, as I travel the United States, uh, you know, we, we look at women, you know, Muslim women, and they're in their burqas, you know. I have a thing up here um, that especially in Dubai, the women wear this. I don't know, Thai, if they do this in Iran or Iraq, but... It's a mask like this, and over their burqa, they have to wear it. And it's really eerie. Some of them are literally metal. And the purpose is, is like, you have no voice, so be quiet. And I'll walk through the airport in Dubai or in, you know, the mall or something of Dubai, and I see these women, and it's just, it's so eerie, very eerie. And, but as I, as I think about it, and I've talked to Pastor Dave about this, um, I'm noticing in the church, I'll talk about the church in America, okay? And please understand me, I am not down on the church in America, I'm a pastor. I am not down and hard on the church of America, it's just the reality that I'm seeing of the church in America. I love, if anybody that knows me knows my passion to equip and empower people to be the best them that they could ever be. That's what I want to pull out of people. But in the same instance, we've got some real difficulties going on in the church in America. And I'm going to, not, not, not the church, like my husband and I were watching the other night on the news that Christians now, more Christians would be a martyr today than the, the Jews are. 
There's approximately 11 Christians a day right now being martyred for their faith. That's a lot of Christians in a year. Why? Because they're not, they're not necessarily Christians that we call them, but they're believers. And I'm going to illustrate that for you this morning, the difference between a believer and a Christian, at least in the United States. Majority of those ones that are being martyred every single day, those 11, they're in the 1040 window. They're really living out being a Christian. They're willing to die for what they believe in. And so I'm noticing that in the church, you know, we'll, we'll look at women that are behind the veil. And I tell you what, you put one of these on and you wear it for a few minutes, whoo. Now, guys, I wouldn't suggest you do that. But anyway, for you gals, you put it on and you stand there in this and you feel closed in. You feel like a nobody. You feel like you've lost your, your, um, your voice. I'm noticing in the church in America, the women, they have a veil, but I'm noticing there's a veil on the church in America. We've lost our identity. There's a lot of wounding and scarring. And what do we do? We try to cover it up just like these women. They try to cover up themselves so nobody will see them. Before the acid throwing, it's their husbands or their fathers. Depending if the father's alive, the father will tell them how much they wear. Do you wear a full burqa? Do you cover your hands? If the father is not living, then the oldest son, if she's not married, will tell her what she's supposed to wear. Or just a shower. When I'm in Pakistan, I wear what's called a shower kameez, which is a pair of pants, a really nice top, and a, and a dupata, which is a veil type thing. It's not a veil, but it's like a scarf over my head. So some of them can wear that. Some of them have to dress in full burqa. Some of them you can't even see their eyes. There's a, a net that's there. So they're, if their father is dead and they're not married, their older brother will tell them. If they are married, then their husband's going to tell them how much they need to cover up. And I find a church in America, a lot of Christians, they are being influenced by other people of how much they are real and how much they're not. How open are they and how much they're not? And so many people in the church in America, they're still wearing a veil, a covering. We're not called to hide behind a veil. We are called as the sons and daughters of God to live fully in our identity as beloved sons and daughters of God. And you know, we talk about it, we hear messages about it, but I'm still finding a lot of Christians still are not walking it out. They're still striving for an identity. They're still striving for a position. They're still striving for affirmation. And hey, Dave knows me. I was the king of that, or I should say the queen of that. I was, was I? I was. I mean, it was like, you know, what can I do? And who notices me? And it was, it was horrible. And it was, it was painful. And it was tiring trying to be this woman of God, trying to prove myself to me that I could do something and be somebody. And then most of you know the story. In October 2003, I had an encounter with God that transformed all of that. I mean, all of that. And I think to today, if I would not have had that encounter with him, where I would be at today? I would not be doing what I'm doing. I'll tell you that. I'm convinced. And so we have 400,000 orphanages in America we call churches. We have orphans leading orphans. And we wonder, you, listen, as a pastor, I have to, I, every, not every night, but a lot of nights, I wonder why don't those people out there want what we have? The, the football stadiums don't have trouble filling them, especially the Buckeyes. I always said, oh, Hawkeyes, sorry, well, Buckeyes too, I'm sure. Look, <laughs> we had an ugly Christmas sweater contest the first year I was at Family of Faith. It was the, December 2014, and we were doing this. We had people judge the sweaters before the service, and we picked the last three candidates, and, and then the, the congregation was going to decide who had the ugliest sweater. And so we called him up, and here's this guy walking down the street, down the street, down the aisle with a um, Michigan sweatshirt on. And they're all like, ah! And I'm like, that's not a Christmas sweater. <laughs> I, that's how, I'm not a sports person. Anyway, so 
the Buckeyes are not having trouble. But that's here. I'm talking about Ohio. I don't know much about the Buckeyes. I'm sorry. Or Hawkeyes. I don't know much about the Hawkeyes. <laughs> I'm getting myself in trouble here. Anyway, whoever it is, the Titans, well, the Titans are not doing really good. I do know about the Titans. Oh, my gosh. Let's unwind all of this really quick. No, they're not having, point is, they're not having trouble filling stadiums. They're not having trouble filling the malls and the stores on Black Friday. Why are we having trouble filling the church? We've got to ask ourselves this question. Why don't people want what we have? There's a difference between a believer and a Christian, at least in America. The word Christian was first used in Acts 11 in Antioch. It was pagans that first called us Christians. Why? Because they saw these disciples that were being Christ-like. Like, they were doing what Jesus did. Today, I don't find a lot of Christians doing what Jesus is doing. Now, what, now hear me out, okay? Hear me out before you want to stone me. A believer, and I've been ciphering through this the last two, I preached this two weeks ago at a church in, in Ohio. A believer is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. A Christian in America is like, I don't know, I don't know if I could do that. I just, <laughs> that would be really hard to do that. You know, I just don't think that's for me. A believer is, greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. A Christian? Oh my gosh, Muslims? Oh, that's darkness. Get away from them. No, light's always greater than darkness. We shouldn't be afraid to be around a Muslim. In fact, I like being around them. I like winning their heart. A communist person in Cuba. Communist leaders winning their heart as a believer. See, a believer is an action. A Christian is a title in America. I don't want anybody in a plane or when I'm getting my nails done or wherever go, ask me. I don't know. I don't want to tell them I'm a Christian. Because Christian out there means something different than what it did in the book of Acts. It means something different than what it means in the 1040 window. People hear Christian. Oh, yeah, you're a Christian. Listen. Sony was doing some conversations on Facebook the other day. And she says, Mom, listen. They call me Mom. Um, listen to this. And she asked this girl. She said, I'm going to pull it up for you. I said, give me that. She asked this gal, hey, girl, just wanted you to wish you a very happy and blessed Thanksgiving. What are you most looking forward to? This was this gal's response. Christians not to act the way they do because if I didn't know God, I never would. And that represents many of the people out there, their mentality. There's someone at our church in Ohio. We were considering bringing them on as an elder. Great person at church. Amazing person at church. Great guy. So we were talking about it, and one of the elders came to me and said, uh, no, 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 we don't want to do that. I'm like, why not? Oh, I'm at where they work sometimes. And man, they got a mouth on them that is so filthy. You elect them as an elder, then there's going to be people in their... Where he works, go, are you guys insane? This guy says he's a Christian, but he sure doesn't act like it at work. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are portraying one thing and saying something different. And the church is full of them. That's why I don't want to be, no I don't want to be known as a Christian, to be honest with you. I want to be known as a little girl with a big dad, a beloved father that is so good. What is the people out there? God's mad, he's angry, he's sad, and just get out of line and boom, he's going to knock you over the head. And he doesn't have time for you. He's too busy. Come on, guys, you're looking at me like I'm insane. It's the truth. But as believers, we know him. We're beloved sons and daughters. He's a good, good father. He's amazing. I love spending time with him. Let me tell you, most Christians don't like being with God. That's the way I was before October 2003. 
I didn't want to be alone with God because I thought he'd get mad at me or he was angry and I couldn't measure up. So you know what I would do? I would get Jesus to go and ask him to do something for me because I knew he'd do it for his son. That is such stupid thinking, but it was real. It was true. Believer, he shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I heard Pastor Dave taking up the offering from back there in the office. A Christian, oh my gosh, I can barely pay my rent another month. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm barely, I'm surviving. Guys, if this is the, now I know that we go through financial, we'll go through some financial hardships, okay? I understand those. We'll go through some painful situations. But if that's the way we're living, day in and day out, there's a problem with that. I never, you know, I, I run into so many people. They're like, well, I'd love to take that missions trip, but I just don't have the money. And the next time they don't have the money. And the next time they don't have the money. You know what? The disciples weren't that way. I never read in the scriptures they couldn't go and complete their assignment because they didn't have the money. Jesus said, go, and they went. Our identities are beloved sons and daughters of God. But I'm not seeing many people walk that out knowing who they are and whose they are and when what they're called to do. I'm seeing people in the church 10, 15, 20 years that have been in the church all this time and they still don't know what they're called to do. Friends, there's a problem with that. I don't want my grandkids growing up not knowing what God's called them to do. I love seeing my grandson on this worship team. Every Sunday I'm here and he's on the worship team. I'm like, oh, that's my grandson. I'm so proud of him. His heart, his passion for God, that just, that just so excites me. But I'm finding a lot of us, even though we're hearing that we're sons and daughters, we're not walking it out. What does it look like to walk it out? It looks like, hey, my dad's a good father. I'm a believer, you know, and he's going to take care of me. For, what does it look like to walk it out? The kingdom is inside of me. It says the kingdom's at hand. It's right here. Just go and release it. Give it away. So let me give you a demonstration of this. The kingdom, do you really believe the kingdom of God is within you? The kingdom, it says, is within us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We carry the kingdom of God within us, and everywhere we go, we should be releasing it, and it's so easy to do it. We have complicated it. We've complicated it to death. This is not hard. Like I said last Sunday, if we would just be kingdom seekers, seek the kingdom of God first, do what he tells us to do, and he'll take care of everything else, we would not need organized evangelism. The disciples didn't have organized evangelism. They didn't say, hey, guys, we're going to have a weenie roast Friday night. We're going to try to get some converts. Well, let's have a program so we can... Get more people in the church. Please, I'm not just talking to Heartland, okay? This, isn't, this is across the board. I think sometimes, Pastor Dave and wherever Christopher went, um, sometimes we, when we, why we love going to other nations is because they're so hungry. They'll do whatever they need to do. I've been in Cuba preaching before. And Artemisa. It's one of the churches. The whole church is like packed with people. It's the first time I went packed with people. The platform is full of people. You can't even move. And then it's pouring down, raining outside. The windows are open and people are standing in the windows all around the church because they're hungry. So what does it look like? Hoel, come here for a minute. To, to release the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within us. This is so simple. So if I, in meeting him and I'm like, hi, how are you doing? Good. My name's Leanne. Well, it's good to meet you. Where are you from? I'm from Mexico. Oh, I love Mexico. I've lived there a few times before. I don't blame you. <laughs> well, it's great to meet you, Joel. God bless you. Okay. So, you know what I'm doing? Well, I'm, you know, I'm not just greeting him. I am releasing the kingdom of God as I'm communicating with him. Because we are spirit to spirit. And I have the power and authority to represent the kingdom of God everywhere I go. But a lot of the church... They have a veil. I got a veil. They have a veil on them, and their, their identity's not only been taken, but their voice has been taken. Can I tell you something else? I, please, I'm not trying to be hard. 
He's got the kingdom inside, inside of him. The, the church has become almost like a fitness club. I'm not just talking about, I'm not even talking about Heartland, okay? I'm just talking about the church. It's a fitness club. So we come Sunday morning, we do our workouts, we dance, we worship, we praise everything. There's nothing wrong with that. And then the rest of the week, we don't live like we're believers. So in our particular business we have, and we're coaching um, people, they're like, but Leanne, I, I work out four or five times a week, and I still can't get that last 20 pounds off. I'm like, because during the, between working out, you're eating pizza and Coke and French fries. You're, you're having carb comas and that whole bit. No wonder you can't get it off. That's the truth. And it's the same thing in the church. We come and we do our exercises on Sunday mornings. We work out, then we go home, and we live like we are Christians throughout the week and not believers. Again, a believer is an action. We put action to what we've been called to do. Not just talk about it. So I want to take for a minute now. Do we have a clock here? You can read that? <laughs> I'm like, I know I'm getting old, but man, that's like... We, ours at least lights up at Family of Faith. You know, we can at least read it. Okay, I got a little bit of time. So what I want to do is I want to transition now. We talked about personal identity. You are a beloved son and daughter of the most incredible being ever. Then let's live like it. Thank you, Roger. No, seriously, guys, I love being a daughter of God. I love, I love representing my father. I love just being with him. He's so good. He's, when I was trying to be a woman of God, oh, oh, it was that fitness club every week. Trying to be a woman of God. Oh, woman of God. <laughs> And then God threw me on the floor for two and a half hours and go, I don't want a woman of God anymore. I just want a little girl to know she has a big dad. Oh my gosh, that's so much easier. I'm serious. So we have still, listen, I was talking to a pastor a while back and he, he pastored for like over 30 years. And at this point he wasn't pastoring, he was doing something else. And so we were talking and I said, so how are you doing? He goes, ah, it's really, really hard. He said, I haven't held a microphone in my hand in six months. I don't even know who I am anymore. I'm like, oh. God said, there's a the door. Walk through it. And I said, can I share with you? It's not about holding a microphone in your hand. It's about your identity as a beloved son. That's who you are. Preaching is what you do. Beloved daughter is who you are. Prophesying is what you do. And we've really got it flipped a lot in the church. So I'm a worship leader. And there's nothing wrong to be a worship leader. No, but you're a beloved son who leads worship. That's a whole, like Ty said last week, he crashed three years ago because he was trying to be this businessman. And man, being a businessman and impacting the, the, the mountain of business, oh my, I'm all about that. I'm a businesswoman influencing the business mountain. But when that's what you're relying on is who you are, there's a problem with that and God will wreck your ship. Did he not do that? And one of the things that Ty's learning through the school, no, I'm a businessman. I'm a beloved son who's a businessman. And when you have, like Leif says, those ships in the right order, whoo. Even if you're in that ship and you come into a storm, you can rest in the ship and get up and have authority over because you learned how to rest in the midst of the storm. You have authority. I don't find most of the church has authority. It's Christians going around and the world is impacting them instead of them impacting the world. I'm serious. I'm really, really serious. I'm seeing this. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, the enemy's after me. And oh my gosh, it's so dark out there. And uh, like, <laughs> light's greater than darkness. What are you talking about? He who lives in me is more greater than he who's out there. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then I'm going, okay, Father, is this why they don't want what we got? It's because most of us are living as Christians. We're saying one thing, but we're not doing it as believers. 
Does this make sense? Okay. Probably doesn't to you, but all right. So what I want to do, and li listen, real quick, we have a couple of books I've written. I have people read this book over and over again, A Journey to Your Identity, Knowing Who You Are and Whose You Are, Walking It Through, Helping You Develop Your Identity as a Beloved Son and Daughter so that you can do what um, Father God's called you to do. All right, so I want to switch real quick. And you can throw the PowerPoint back up, Aiden. I want to talk to you really quick about corporate identity. So I never wanted to be a pastor. That was nothing I signed up for. But God had other plans. And that's good because I'm a beloved daughter and I'm disobedient to my dad. I do what he tells me to do. And you know what? As I'm obedient, I get upgrades all the time. I really like, I like upgrades. I like going to a plane and getting on, go to the left instead of the right. I love upgrades. I like the new, I'm fixing to get a new iPhone. Upgrade. We all like upgrades. Well, I like upgrades. I like upgrades. So I was a candidate for uh, at the church in Ohio. It's too long a story, but it was five and a half years. Pastor Dave and Leif were two of the ones that helped me navigate through. There were over 160 candidates for this position. Church was 54 years old, only had two previous pastors. Over 160 candidates got down to 10, and then three, and they chose me, and I was the only woman in the whole lineup. The elders really took a risk. It was much harder on them than it was on me. And so, bless you, son. And so, um, <laughs> I know that sneeze. Um, so I get to the church. And before I get to the church, this is what God tells me. He said, I want you to establish a culture. Why do we go to the other nations? Why do we go to Cuba? Many of you have been to Cuba with us. It's because of the culture there and the people. It's amazing. Mexico, there's a culture that's there. And it's different. Yours is tortillas. Theirs is French bread. Theirs is black beans. Yours is brown beans. <laughs> Why do people like to go to different nations? Why do they go to Italy and different places? Because of the culture. What is your culture here? Why would people choose Heartland over the other churches that are just within a few a walking space from here? Or the other churches that are in this town? So God said, I want you to develop a culture, and the culture is to be a kingdom family. Okay? Develop the culture. And he says, and then the mandate is to love, honor, and value all. That's your mandate as a kingdom family to love, value, and honor all. Now, I was a new pastor. I never pastored before. I walked down in that office the first time and saw Leon Goff, senior pastor, and went, whoa, there's something wrong with that because I am not a pastor. I didn't sit in the pastor's chair in the study for one month because it's like, eh, this is weird. But I knew I was on an assignment from heaven. Do you know you're on an assignment from heaven? Do you know what your assignment is? I get up every day and I know what my assignment is. I know who I am, whose I am, and I know what my assignment is. That doesn't mean every day is a bed of roses. No, I have hard times, but I know who I am and whose I am. I know who has my back, and I'm going to plow ahead for the kingdom of God. And so several years ago, Josue and myself, Catherine, and a couple other people, we did a journey across the island of Cuba. I don't know. It was probably about 13 years ago. And we, there's about 16 places of, of high idolatry worship in the nation of Cuba. And I think we hit like 10 of them, 11, something like that. We had a shofar. I rented two cars. We drove across the island. We prayed as we drove across the island. We'd stop at strategic places, pray, intercede, blow the shofar over the nation, da-da-da-da-da. We got to this one place called um, Bayamo. And we met up with some Christians there. And we're like, wow, this is the cleanest city in the nation. We could feel the spirit of God was different there. In the plaza, they used to have hangings like one or two a month. And they'd say, oh, we haven't had any in two or three years now. They were telling us the history. And we're like, well, what happened? And, the, and you could buy, it was, beef, it was illegal for Cubans to have beef at that time. And so, but there were Cubans that came to the city to buy beef. And I interviewed one guy. I said, where are you from? And he was quite a ways away. And I said, well, why do you come here? Because we can buy beef here. And I'm like, what is going on in the spiritual realm here? So we ran into some pastors. And they took us to their home. And they showed us a map of their region where they had been interceding over their region for the kingdom of God. They were identifying um, strongholds. They were blessing and praying for the churches, this and that. And they saw the results of it. It was their war map. This is like 13 years ago. So when I got to Family of Faith and Josue gets there, I said, son, I want to do a map of our region. So our people in our office, they put together Google Earth, and they made a map. This is the whole region of Newark, Licking County. Uh, you see your kingdom come to Licking County. And we got different things up there, community in action, praying for President Trump, different things we have denoted, you know, different areas, strategic churches in our city, different areas. Just down from our church, there's a, what's called Pedophile Alley, not far from us. Drugs and alcohol are rampant. Needles between us and coals on the ground. And so we put that up in our, we have actually a war room before the war room came out. 
okay? It, the War Room movie came out right after we developed this, this War Room um, and put this map up. And so we had our intercessors begin to come in and pray. And we had Vicki come in. And she really, because you know what happened when I got there? One of the things, the intercessors, they had been shut down. They had no voice. Our prophetic team had no voice. When I got there, the church was so dysfunctional. I felt like I was going through an ICU ward for 10, six months from bed to bed to bed, just ministering and bringing healing to the people. It was, the church was a mess. And I told the elders at one time, I'm like, did you ever think to tell me or the other three candidates how messed up you guys were before we got here? I didn't say it that way. But Dave was in a meeting right shortly, not a few months after I got there. And he experienced some, right? Did you not? It was, so he met with me and the elders on a situation. So anyway, um, we began to pray over our region and intercessors. And the intercessors, by the way, asked me, can you bring somebody in to teach us? We want more training on intercession. I'm like, yeah, I know just the person, Vicki McKim. I'm bringing her in. And she came in and she spent a couple of days with her intercessor. And it really just impacted our church majorly. Right, son? And she's been a second time. And so our intercessors began coming in. That's, uh, it's a plexiglass over it because they use oil. And they anoint and they declare the kingdom of God over Licking County. They pray. They stand in the gap. And that room is right across from what used to be my office. It's now Josue's. I'll introduce Josue in just a second. He's our senior pastor now and I'm the lead pastor. And they, that was the most beautiful sound throughout the week. Is the cries of the intercessors coming from that, off, that room across from my office. And I would just listen to him and go, oh, God, yes, we're bringing your kingdom to Lincoln, Lincoln County. And I would tell the intercessor, I'd tell the whole church, the most important room in the, in the building was not the sanctuary. It wasn't my office. It was the war room. Because they backed up everything we were called to do. So then they've been praying. And February this two. This February, three years, I get a letter from our Licking County prosecutor. The guy that's second to the left with a gray jacket on, he's a strong believer, got elected as the Licking County prosecutor, and then he wants to start a chaplaincy program within our county. 13 law enforcement, enforcement divisions, and then so he brings about 15 pastors together. We don't know why we're going to this lunch, um, and so we go, and they present this law enforcement um, program. We actually became the 14th division in our county, and so... They're like, we need, we, need, um, we need pastors to be law enforcement chaplains to help our law enforcement. And we're all sitting at the table going, dude, do you know how much we have on our plates? There's no way we can do this. We got so much already. And, but I knew that how could I not do it? Because our intercessors had been in that room crying out for like a year and a half. And all of a sudden, I get invited to the mountain of, uh, of government. And so I went back to our elders, and I told them what was going on. And I said, do I have your blessing to become a law enforcement chaplain? He said, yes, pastor, you got it. So I became a law enforcement chaplain. The guy all the way to the right, his name is Dwayne Flowers. That's my swearing in. And it'll be three years this April I got sworn in. It was on Good Friday. He said he hadn't seen anything like that happen since the 70s when he was at the Pentagon. But it was happening in Licking County. Why? Because we had intercessors that were standing in the gap, pulling the kingdom of God down over our region. Making declarations. Now, I'm not an intercessor. I'm not called to intercession. I do pray and I do intercede. But my, my, my value into the, 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 the church or whatever in this season is not intercessors. But there are people that are called to intercession and they love it. And it's their passion. And I say, go for it. All right. So then what we did, uh, I think it was two years this past July. We just Because we our church, when we got there, we were ex exclusive. We were not doing anything in the community. We weren't doing anything in the church. You did Sunday morning. They were running 710 people at one time. When I got there, about 125. And they, our church didn't have a very good reputation in the community, to be honest with you. It was a mess. It was really a mess. So I just went in. I started winning the hearts of the elders. That was hard. First meeting was 10 guys and me. And you could hear them in their minds going, okay, we got a new pastor, and she's a woman. How do we do this? I'm like, you guys elected me. <laughs> and I began to win their hearts. We met every other Monday night for 10 months, doing life together, strategizing, working things, beginning to release the kingdom of God to them in those meetings because they were not kingdom men. They are now, but they weren't then. Shifting a culture to a kingdom family. It was a lot of work, trust me. So then, this July, last July, was two years ago, we decided to shut our doors on a Sunday morning. And we went to a, we did. I'm serious, did we not do that? 
We shut our doors on a Sunday morning, went to another church to bless that church. A church that doesn't look like ours, doesn't worship like us. The organ in that church, oh, so I got to play it. They just got it fixed. I mean, it's huge, the big pipes, downtown Newark. And we went in and blessed them. Majority of the tithes, we left a couple of people at the church, elders, bookkeeper, so that they could take anybody that brought their tithes and offerings. But the majority of our tithes and offerings went to that church that morning. Now, not only in the first, I'd say, six months while I was at Family of Faith, all I preached was kingdom, identity, family, sonship. Kingdom, identity, family, sonship. That's all I did. Because it's like, I don't want you to get this. I wanted to get you. There's one thing when you get something, it'll change you. But when it gets you, it'll transform you. So we went and did that. Then we started. I went before the elders, and I said... A couple years ago, I guess, something like that. And I said, I want to start tithing on our tithes and offerings. By this time, I'd won the elders' hearts. They knew I wasn't all crazy. And I said, I want to start tithing on our tithes and offerings because the Bible says it's better to give than to receive. See, believers believe that. Christians are like, no, I think I'll keep. Believers believe, humble yourselves and he'll lift you up. Christians are like, uh, that's my seat. I'm, I'm being honest with you. So they said, let's do it. So we, we organized, we developed, I don't want to say organized. We developed a subcommittee with one of our elders, a subcommittee off of our elder, our, our trustees board. And they were, their responsibility was to find projects in our community that we could bless. And there was a youth on there. We had somebody from the Education Mountain. We just developed this thing. You go out and find out who has a need. That's a win, win, win. Win for us, win for them, and win for the kingdom. Win for us would be like, yay, we got to bless somebody. That's the win for us, okay? And so one of the things, so this is, uh, that's not Chief Connell, but I'm friends with Chief Connell. He's police chief of, of, of Newark. And I sent him an email. I said, I said, Chief, I said, we're doing this as elder board. Is there any needs that our police department has? He always calls me ma'am. He says, ma'am, yes, there is. He said, um, we, um, we need new shields and helmets for our SWAT team. The ones we have are 15 years old. And then we found out those were hand-me-downs later on. And he said, we've already, there 12, to get uh, three new shields, I think it was 15 helmets, we need uh, $6,000, we need 12000 but another organization is already committed to $6,000. Uh, so we're lacking 6000 So let me go for the board. Went for the board. The board's like, yep, let's do it. And so uh, we were able to go and present to the SWAT team. This is a school a year ago this past August, before they had, uh, they had um, what do you call it? Not tryouts, but they had to do mock scenarios of school lockdowns and things like this. And so Josue and I went. We did not have the shields. They were shipped directly to the police department. But we were able to go and on behalf of our fa church family tell, tell our law enforcement community, thank you. Thank you for serving us. This is one way we can tell you thank you. Well, then... We were looking for somebody else, but we just, we were building up money in our account. We're like, man, guys, we got to get rid of this money. Who can we give it to? And so we found out there was a church in our community that they had added a new addition and they forgot to budget in children's security. And there was a lot of bad blood between our church and that church over the years. Now that pastor, when I got to the city a few months afterwards, he called me and welcomed me. And we began to develop a relationship. And then I began to talk to him about sonship and the kingdom of God. And it was just amazing what the relationship has developed at this point. And so we found out that they lacked the money to put security in their new children's area. And so we took $10,000 and we went and brought them a check for $10,000. This is um, our pastors. He's uh, the guy that's holding the check right at the sign. That's the pastor of that church. And um, the other pastors from our church that went and gave him that $10,000. I don't think I have anything else. Oh, nope, don't want to go there. That's not, you can turn that off, Aiden. The point is, is that we didn't just talk about it. We did something about it. And it was not easy for five years. Now, it didn't take five years, but to go in and shift that culture was not easy. But we did it. How do we do it? We did it by love, honoring, and valuing all. If, if you ask anybody that's been in our church a year or more, hey, what's the culture of family of faith? Or what's the mandate of family of faith? Oh, to love, honor, and value all. It's, it, everybody knows it. And people come to our church and they go, my gosh, I've never felt such love. See, isn't that not what Jesus told us to do? 
So why aren't people coming to us going, I want the love you've got. I like the love you. I love the way you demonstrate love. If we really walked out, God is love. He so loved the world that he sent his son. It was God's idea to come, not Jesus's. Jesus just said, yeah, dad, I'll do it. Go, son, represent me and my love. Because my, my sons and daughters don't really know how much I love them. I, there's so many people in the church don't understand God's love. They really don't understand it. So we've taken and shifted the culture. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to have, come on up here. Because I want him to give you the fruit now of the labor that we've sown and we've invested and changing the culture. Now the fruit that's come forth from that. It's amazing stuff that's happened. Before, nobody wanted to talk to us. No pastors wanted to talk to us. No pastors want to have anything to do with us. Now they all want to get together with us. And it's fun. This is the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. I don't see many Christians very joyful. No, oh, it's hard. Look, it's tough. Huh? The weather. <laughs> hey, you're meddling now. Okay. I was complaining about the wind coming in. I'm like, I told Sonia and Josue, I said, they need to be a filthy 50-foot wall. Where's Donald Trump? Build a 50-foot wall over here. So it'll block the wind. <laughs> anyway, son, tell us about, this is my son, Josue, from Cuba. And uh, a lot of you have met him before. Josue and Leone were just sworn in two weeks this Tuesday as United States citizens. I got to be there. They did it legally all the way. I have to say that because when I got to our church in Ohio, it was rumor around the city that I was smuggling Cubans in and I had apartments in, in, in Kansas City and I was smuggling Cubans in there. I'm like, I only wish I had some apartments in Kansas City. <laughs> so anyway, um, so he is now our senior pastor. He's been a son 15 years and amazing guy. And um, so I want him to kind of give you an update of what God's doing. How are you guys doing? Hola. It's, it's, I like you. Uh, it's so good to be here. Um, uh, before I share that about um, Ohio, I just want to tell you that um, if you had the opportunity to go back to Cuba, please do it. Um, you helped us change the culture in our church. And I remember years ago when uh, Vicky and all the teams from here with, with Mama Lee and used to go to Cuba. And we saw things that uh, in our Methodist church, we didn't have it. Uh, that uh, things that you guys do here, the fuego and everything. So the first team, everybody was like, uh, uh. and after that, we had a uh, movement in our church. But please, thank you so much for changing the culture in our church, in our, in our country. Um, so uh, it's amazing what we have, we have we're experiencing over there in, in, uh, in Newark. Uh, we, 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 as a pastor, we're getting together four times a month. Sometimes we get, I mean, it's four times a month, month we, get, we get together. We, uh, there's this, the first Tuesday, I think, of every month we do a meeting that we're, we are training how to disciple the community. Uh, we have Methodist pastors. We have different type. I mean, not only fire up. I mean, normal, normal people, too. Uh, <laughs> so we all get together, and from our, from our experience, we share how to transform the community, how to do it. So that, that's every Tuesday, every first Tuesday of every month. We do have a 6 a.m. prayer. I don't like that one, but we pray at 6 a.m. Um, uh, one of the Tuesdays a month. But the, 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 one of the main points here, it's like uh, there is a time we do, like, we do prayer walk as a church. Not as churches, as a church. We have something we call Newark Impact. Uh, October impact in October all the churches in our community went downtown uh, we had like 19 to 20 churches uh, I don't know how many people we had there the four Saturdays in October we did a prayer walk uh, it was like let's say 20 people walking around and we have a guideline that it has to be people from different churches so many times I were, I mean, I love the, the, the uh, Church of Christ pastor in Heath. Uh, we got to go together and we talk a lot. And, and I said, I love that. I want to use it for my message tomorrow. Uh, so we went to, one, one time we went to see a, per, a person and we were preaching. And that, that person asked us, so what's your church, your denomination? And my joy was to say, I'm the pastor of Family of Faith. And he's the pastor from another church. And we are here to ask the church of Jesus Christ, not as a denomination, 
or any church. So what people are seeing in our communities are pastors coming together, praying, and we're seeing a movement in our community. You can different every Sunday morning. I before I preach, I get like three, four, five texts. Today will be the best message that you go ever preach, and I bless you guys. You're gonna have how many people coming to your church today? So those are pastors texting each other. Um, we have something we call let's worship together and we had a we we prepared a community worship team we have worship teams from different churches we brought them together and we had it first in our church after that we move it to different churches there are churches that are coming together and doing that so uh, there's so many things that I want to I just want to I don't want to uh, take a lot of time but uh, one of the things that happened two weeks ago we are seeing a, a unity in our pastors we're seeing unity in the, in the worship we're I mean it's a joy to go to a restaurant and see pastors there and, and they hug you and they kiss you and they it's they because they know I'm cute and they they come to me and they hug me and everything but uh, something happened two weeks ago our youth ministries in our community they uh there's a church they meet in a, in a place i think it's a bar or something uh on sunday night or whatever and they brought all the youth ministries in their city it were 200 kids worshiping together and they're going to do that once a month every month our youth from our community i'm come on i mean i mean come on and what we were praying we prayed this and i think the season of superstars is over the season of a man of God over a church and the revival will come and movement will come because of one person is over. I think this is a season that the community will be revived. I mean, the movement of God will come over a community, not over one church or one person. It will be a community movement. And that's what we are declaring in Newark, Ohio, that he will set our community on fire, that people will come from different parts. Not one church, not one service, not one night. It will be a family movement. Hallelujah. Thank you, <laughs> can I have the worship team, Ben and the worship team, to come back up? Just give me like two minutes if you can. I know we got to close. One of the things that Josue didn't share, that was 12 ch churches with the youth come together. It was two nights ago tonight. And they outgrew the place already. And they have to move. Another thing, when they were out in October praying through the city downtown, um, one of the churches, they don't know who it was, who prayed with this, this gal or anything like that, but they met, encountered a gal coming out of a, I don't know if it was a store or what, what, where she was coming out of, a library. Oh, okay. She's coming out of a library. Hey, hang around the library in Ankeny, okay? Um, she was coming out of the library, and some of the people that were out doing the prayer work walk and counted her, ministered to her, prayed for her, and... Um, and they found out she went to a church after that, like I guess the following Sunday or something, I don't know, found out she had a bag in her hand and what it was full of was drugs and she was going to commit suicide. She went back in the library and flushed them down the commode. So, you know, when we started going, when, once we got our family like healed, <laughs> like we, it took a lot to heal our family there. Once we got the healing going there, and then we began to go out. We could go out. And God spoke to me like three years ago, three and a half years ago. He said, don't go after unity. He said, they don't know. The church has been praying for unity for years and years and years. And what's, where's that gotten them? Because we can pray all we want for unity, but if we're not walking in unity, it's, we're just killing our own prayers. He said, honor. Go out and honor. Begin to honor. And he says, in the byproduct of that, the fruit will be unity. And that's what we did. And we're, because honor will unlock the door of favor. Unlo honor unlocks people's hearts. And so our church and family of faith has gone from literally surviving, toxic, five and a half years ago to we're thriving today. And that took a lot of work, but it took seeking the kingdom of God. And God, you can do this. Not just talking about it, but really believing God could do it. Loving, honoring, and valuing everybody as a kingdom family. What, what I want to do this morning as we close. Dave, I don't know if you want to say anything. Okay. What I want to do as we close this morning. There's still some of you sitting in this room. You have no idea who you are. We talk about we're going to go win the lost. Well, we get them to say a sinner's prayer and they're still lost because they don't know who they are. Maybe they may be going to heaven, hopefully. But they're still lost. They don't know what. The church is full of lost people trying to find their way and who am I? I don't know who I am. Where am I supposed to be going and doing and this and that? If you're in here this morning and something about this message has impacted you and you're like, Leanne, I don't know. I still don't know who I am. Oh, yeah, I come to church. I read my Bible, but I still don't know who I am. 
then we want to just bless you. We want to release a Father's blessing over you. We, we just want to pray for you. I'm going to ask Josue to come up here and join me. Is that okay for us to do that? And so um, I, I do it, and then I ask his first permission. <laughs> Sorry. But um, I want to thank Pastor Dave for welcoming me into the pulpit this morning and my friend Goulden. And, um, and so, Father, right now, just stand up with me real quick. Father, um, I'm thankful I have two families. God, I have Heartland here, and I have family of faith. And I love them both, God, and it's such an honor, God, that I don't have to choose one over the other, Father. I got to be in both places at the same time. How many people get to do that? Because we make it about church, Father, not about family. God, we're about family. Sons and daughters, God. Walking out for the kingdom of God. Everywhere we're going, God. And Father, so how do we impact not only our community? God, we impact nations, but how do we impact our community for the kingdom of God? God, let us be good learners, God. Let us be good stewarders, Father, stewards of this, Father. Knowing who we are and whose we are. God, so that we can go out and release your kingdom, God, wherever we go. And so, Father, I thank you for this morning. And God, I just take corporately and I, I just bless this church family, Father. To walk out, God, their culture, God, live their culture and walk out their mandate, God. Father, to be those that encounter your presence, God, or, God, and encounter your kingdom, Father. And then we go out, God, and we represent who you are as the king of the kingdom, Father, good Father. So we bless you and we thank you. So if you need prayer this morning, you just don't know who you are, Josue and I want to just minister to you. Let's sing this last verse again together. Just stand. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.